0: Gracious God, we cannot live by bread alone, but we live by every word that comes from your mouth. We pray for your living word to be heard, for Christ to walk among us and be present to us, to feed us, and to make us new. Amen. So today's the first Sunday in Lent, and as such, we're beginning Lent in the wilderness. If you remember God's people, the Israelites, were slaves in Egypt under Pharaoh, and through God's mighty acts of deliverance from plagues to parting the Red Sea, everything that happened in the Charleston Heston film of the 60s, if you've ever seen it. They were brought out of Egypt, leaving both Pharaoh and the chains of slavery behind together to head out into the Sinai wilderness and towards the Promised Land. Today's text has us about a month into the journey. Leaving Egypt was initially a time of excitement and jubilation, singing and, you know, hitting the tambourine, but now everything has changed. After camping at an oasis for a bit, the Israelites have finally hit the real desert dry, scorpion infested. No obvious sources of water or food, so the cheery songs of freedom have ceased and they've been replaced by the sound of rumbling stomachs and hunger and complaining. Oh boy, is there a complaining! There's complaining because hunger messes you up. And not just by shortening dad's fuse in the car an hour or so before dinner, but hunger truly messes you up. The Nungabaye people of Chad, the country at the heart of Africa, they have this saying, one day of hunger will make a wife leave her husband. Hunger drives us to do all sorts of things we wouldn't normally do, to break family bonds, relationships. It'll make us hurt people and do things we never thought we would. And that's exactly what happens to the Israelites. The whole congregation of Israelites, it says, they complain against Moses, their leader, and Aaron, Moses' spokesman. If only we died, they say. If only God had killed us before we left Egypt. At least in Egypt, we had pots full of meat and all the bread we could eat. But you, Moses, Aaron, it looks like you guys have just brought us out into the desert to watch us die. Slavery in Egypt was bad for sure, unbearable even. But at least in Egypt, they had enough food. They had enough water, stability, safety, security. The Nile was flowing. The harvest was always good. But out here in the desert, there's nothing but dust and wind and hunger and imminent death. So they're complaining that they might as well have died in Egypt, because at least there they die with a full stomach of food. Slavery in Egypt was bad. But freedom, it seems, is worse. Freedom is worse. One Old Testament scholar, Walter Brueggemann, says that here Israel's present anxiety distorts the memory of their recent past, and the immediacy of food overrides any long-term hope for freedom. They complain against Moses simply because their hunger overrides every other drive they have. Hunger's the kind of thing that drives freed people back into slavery. Hunger will commandeer all other priorities in life, even if that means eventual destruction and death. Hunger messes you up. Now, few of us have ever experienced the kind of physical hungers that the Israelites experience here. Some of us may have, but we are... one of the richest societies in human history, so maybe physical hunger isn't something that we connect with quite so easily. But physical hunger isn't the only kind of hunger out there. In fact, there's a deeper hunger, a universal human hunger, a spiritual hunger experienced by each and every one of us. A few years ago, I read a book called In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts. It's by Dr. Gaber Mate, a physician in Vancouver's downtown east side, working mainly with people who are living day to day with chemical addictions. Addiction, he argues, is, simply, is not a simply a matter of bad choices, poor willpower, or moral faults, although those may also exist in the mix. But it's rooted in natural human needs and desires we're hungry for love we're hungry for stability for security safety achievement all of these things give us a powerful sense of release and wholeness when we receive them drug addiction tends to be manifest most powerfully in those of us who've had traumatic upbringings who haven't experienced love or are living lives in constant stress of insecurity. Drugs are powerful because they offer that sense of momentary relief from our hunger pangs, that euphoria that we get from the basics of life. The problem is that they never truly satisfy. We're hungry again, and they eventually destroy us. And he uses a metaphor from... Chinese folk, religion, and Buddhist legends, the hungry ghost, to talk about this drive in us. A ghost with a really big stomach, you can kind of see that picture, really big stomach, and a tiny mouth. Addiction is like that. No matter how much we try to eat, we just can't get enough to fill our bottomless bellies of need. And then everything else in life takes a back seat. The Interesting thing too is that in this book mate says the difference between those of us with chemical addictions and The rest of us is really only a matter of degree We're all hungry for love We're all hungry for security. We're hungry for safety. We're hungry for peace of mind The difference is that some of us devour our work instead Some of us fill up on the acquisition of money or success. While still others still fill up on the acquisition of Instagram hearts and Facebook likes. You know it's true. Actually, Facebook knows it's true. I think Bruce Springsteen, the patron saint of New Jersey, (laughs) says it best everybody's got a hungry heart. Maybe I'll sing it. Everybody's, hey sing it with me. Everybody's got a hungry heart. Everybody's got a hungry heart. Lay down your money and you play your part. Everybody's got a a, a hungry heart. And cue the sax. Cue the sax solo in there. Physical hunger isn't the only kind of hunger. We're all starving spirits of one kind or another. It's only a matter of degree and our cuisine of choice. Even the most saintly among us have our enslaving appetites. Everybody's got a hungry heart. And if you don't think so, just look to the latest news about the late, great John Vanier and the L'Arche community for proof. Everybody's got a hungry heart. Now it's clear to me that there's some real points of contact between Mate's book and the Christian message. St. Augustine, one of the most influential theologians in Christian history, some ways for the better, some ways for the worse, if you know him, he thought of sin sin, human brokenness, in a similar way to Mate. Like Mate, he saw a natural longing in all of us, a deeper hunger that we spend our lives trying to satisfy. And that most of our problems come from misplaced desires, from driving trying to drive off our spiritual hunger pangs with empty Egyptian calories that enslave rather than nourish us into freedom. There are real points of contact. The difference, though, is in what we ultimately need what will ultimately satisfy our deepest hungers. Mate says security, stability, being loved, these all will keep our hungers at bay. And I think that that is true. And these are all good things, of course, necessary things. They're necessary, but they aren't quite enough. Because even those of us who have had all of those things, we can be just as deeply sinful, selfish, and single-minded as those who don't. We need more to be freed from our various slaveries to fill the deep hunger in our souls. We need more, because what we truly need is God. Again, I said this last week, Sunday school answer, what do we need? God. Now, this is the Old Testament, so you kind of expect God to meet the Israelites complaining with a suck it up at least, or maybe a a big smoting fireball of some kind. But surprisingly, God hears the complaint and just gives them bread. God hears the complaint and just gives them bread. And God says, every night I'll give you meat, and in the morning I'll give you bread. And it's kind of funky the way it plays out of course i mean flocks of quails descend on the camp at night meat right there and then this white flaky substance it says covers the camp like dew in the morning and it's called manna manna which is just a hebrew pun literally meaning what is it so what's it lands on the camp at night we're not entirely sure what it is, but some, some scholars have suggested that it's this sweet resin excreted by a kind of tree lice, if that's delicious for you. <laughs> they leave it on trees, full of carbs, but it spoils easily, meaning you can't store it. But anyway, I, I don't know if that's true. I just thought it was interesting. I thought I would share. I apologize. <laughs> but regardless of what it is, though, Each day, they'll have enough to keep them going. And Fridays, they'll get double, so they don't have to gather it, and they can just rest and relax on the Sabbath day. Each day, they'll have their physical needs met, so the hunger of Egypt will be no more. But what's interesting about this text is that the bread and the meat aren't just bread and meat. The bread and the meat, they're signs. They're symbols of a greater reality at play under the surface. Moses has Aaron gather all the Israelites together to make the bread and meat announcement to the people. Draw near to the Lord, says Aaron, for the Lord has heard your complaining. I mean it's not entirely clear as to what it means to draw near to the lord do they pray do they sing do they just pay attention we don't know but as they do it says as they do the glory of the lord appears in the cloud above the wilderness god shows up god is in the forsaken place of hunger in that desert place of hunger and famine and suffering God shows up God shows up and says this to Moses tell them that I've heard their complaining Tell them that at night. I'll send meat and them in the morning bread and in either case you shall know that I am the Lord your God Tell them and they'll know that I'm the Lord your God So the meat and the bread will fill their stomachs, but it's also more than that. The bread is a sign of God's presence in the wilderness. It's a promise to them that they can turn away from Egypt and slavery for good. They can press on towards freedom, knowing that out there their deepest hungers will be satisfied because they're satisfied by the living God. Their hungers are satisfied by the living God. To quote St. Bruce again, everybody's got a hungry heart. You, me, every one of us, we want freedom, we want fullness of life, but like the Israelites in the wilderness, we turn back to Pharaoh the moment of hunger, that the moment of hunger pang hits. Whether our old master is chemical or one of the more socially acceptable varieties, we turn back to Egypt at a moment's notice. The good news is, though, that there's another source of bread. The true bread. When it comes to the spiritual life, the market is open and not closed. In a moment, we'll be celebrating the sacrament of Holy Communion where each of us will be invited to the table of Jesus to receive gifts of bread and wine. Because in the New Testament, John chapter six, Jesus connects himself with this story. I am the bread of life, he tells his disciples. I am the bread of life. And whoever comes to me will never be hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. At the table, Jesus Christ offers himself to us in the here and now. At the table, we receive the bread that carries with it the same promise that God gives Israel in the desert, the promise that we too can leave Egypt, that we too can leave our enslaving hungers behind and never look back. Because in God, we have all the safety the security, and all the love we will ever need. So this Lent, may this be the first step in our journey away from Egypt. May we, may you, turn away from the powers of sin and death. May you turn away from the junk food of Pharaoh, away from all the patterns and behaviors that oppress your soul and cause your neighbor injury. Let us turn away and instead set our hearts, our souls, and our stomachs towards the wilderness, knowing that when we do, we are drawing near to the Lord and that the promised land is on the other side. May we join the Israelites in the desert. May we feast upon Christ, the bread of life. Amen.